Welcome to Conversations About Aging. I'm Diane Atwood, and I'm traveling around the state of Maine talking to people 60 and older about their perspectives on aging. Today's conversation is with Shirley Weaver, actually Dr. Shirley Weaver. She has a PhD in education and medical sociology, but she would much rather be known as Cheryl. Cheryl Weaver was born 82 years ago in Minnesota. After serving in the Air Force for 10 years, she came to Maine in 1985 to begin a new career. She founded the Maine Area Health Education Center and was the founding director of the Maine Geriatric Education Center at the University of New England, or UNE, College of Osteopathic Medicine. When she retired from UNE in 2002, she embarked on another career as associate director of Harvard's Geriatric Center. Now really retired, she manages to keep busy, very busy, always learning and always contributing. She took some time out, though, to sit and chat with me about her life, her careers, including one as a pin setter in a bowling alley, the volunteer work she does now, and, of course, her perspective on aging. We sat in the living room of the lovely old home she and her spouse own in Kennebunk. It's where Cheryl Weaver, now 82, intends to live as long as she possibly can. I really like this area, and I'm doing things hither and yon volunteer work that makes it really important, particularly with regard to what do you do with your life after you <laughs> retire about three times, and then, you know, it, it's just really important to be connected in some kinds of ways, and the geography is wonderful. It's easy to get to Boston. It's easy to get to wherever you want to go. There's just lots of reasons to be right here and doing our thing, you know. It's a lot of property for two women to maintain, but we do. Um, I've only recently given up doing all of the painting of the house outside and, <laughs> and glazing of the windows, and that, but we still do all the lawn and the three acres of property to keep up. and. So we're kind of busy with that. I'm guessing that you've thought ahead as to, you know, okay, what if we can't maintain this? What if one of us gets sick? Um, I mean, or are you just, you got things in place so that you'd have to really be dragged out of here kicking and screaming? I think financially we're set to be able to deal with that. We've built a... a uh, uh, what we call the barn room, because that was the whole barn out there, and we built a, a, um, a room out there that has a bath, and so it's right on the same level. Otherwise, upstairs, you know. But um, so, I, and we nurture a, a, a large group of, of friends that we all help one another, and and so that's kind of our family is a huge network of friends. That to me would be really critical. We really need to have whatever you want to call family, somebody that we can call or who looks, kind of looks out for us. Right. But see, I do that for other people too. How so? 
Well, I'm, I'm a member of vet to vet so I'm a military veteran, and we're paired with other military veterans that need some connection, or their families think they need some connection. And um, my current vet is a World War II veteran, and she's in the, the Southern Maine Veterans Home, but it's, it's another connection, and uh, because we're both military, we can talk military, and we can, we can really ask questions that typically veterans, either they don't wanna talk about it, or they know it doesn't make sense because the other person doesn't have a frame of reference. And so it's a companionship, and we also have a fair amount of training so that we can link them to resources if they need them. Um, and then here in Kennebunk, I'm a member of the um, age-friendly community, and so, well, tomorrow I'll take somebody shopping, grocery shopping. I do that once a month with her and some other people I take on a periodic basis. Um, I have a friend who's not in either of those systems in our more our, our support group and uh, she has cancer and a whole bunch of other sorts of medical things and because I've been in the medical world for 50 or 60 years I go to all of her chemo I go to all of her medical appointments with the docs um, and it's just she's completely capable, and she's smarter than I am, but she's perfectly capable of doing all that. But it's it's that support, it's just that connection. In the old days, you'd think some of my age would be the person that's at home when people are coming to help. I'm out, you know, if somebody calls and says they need their trash picked up, our network for age-friendly, they know I'm the only one with a pickup, so I'm the one that drives over. <laughs> so. You know, you're you're engaged and involved, and so tell me about when you moved to Maine and you took the job. I, I'd like to know about your your career path. Well, I, immediately out of college, I went to graduate school in Florida, and um, and through a series of different kinds of jobs related to that, I went into the Air Force, and in the Air Force for 10 years, essentially. Six years on active duty, I was the director of hospital laboratories. And um, in that process, I went to more graduate schools under the Armed Forces Institute of Technology. I came out off after duty, then I taught in a medical institute, and I got another graduate degree. In what? in uh, higher education, but most of it was in hematology because of my background. So I have graduate training in microbiology, exfoliative cytology, and, and hematology. And then I got a job in Michigan at a university and um, followed through with some projects there. I ended up doing my doctorate at Michigan State, um, and from and worked in the College of Osteopathic Medicine there as I got that degree, and then that led me to a position here. Teaching? Not teaching, thank God. I'm a terrible teacher. 
It's good to know what your strengths and your weaknesses are, isn't it? I was I was recruited to start a, a, a federal grant project called the Area Health Education Center Program. And so what we did was we, we uh, identified primary care docs all over the state of Maine in rural areas. Smaller the town, the better. Um, and we placed students there in, for a month in rotation, either their third year or their fourth year. And we recruited people in town to host the students and house them. And uh, in that process, we set up an independent center that actually did all the real hard work. And, uh, and then we did some faculty development for those docs that are out and about and um, you know, that kind of stuff. When I retired from UNE, I had already started to work with Harvard to set up a geriatric education center for UNE. So when I retired from UNE, I went to Harvard to, to be the uh, associate director of the Harvard Geriatric Education Center. And you moved down there? And I commuted back and forth. By then, were you living here? Here, and just take the train down, you know, how that is. In the process here, I got another graduate background, a uh, certificate in advanced graduate studies in gerontology. After Harvard, did you retire? You said you retired three different times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got out of the military, <laughs> retired from UNA, and I retired from, from the Harvard Geriatric Education Center. But I have not retired from being uh, a student of health care policy, of social stuff. I'm on the uh, board of the, uh, the Maine Health Access Foundation, and so, and I've been doing stuff with them for almost 12 years now. So you really have to keep up. Were you um, instrumental in getting the age-friendly community? What, I'm not sure what the name of it is. Is that the exact name of it here in Kennebunk? Yeah, ours is called No Place Like Home, but it is an age-friendly community. And I help write the grant and work with AARP to get you, um, Kenny Bunk established. So to be recognized by AARP as an age-friendly community, there's certain criteria that you Correct. have to meet? Yeah. So now that you're older, do you ever notice people making assumptions about what you can and can't do? Oh, absolutely. I think there's, um, I think it started when I turned 80. And all of a sudden at the grocery store, they're saying, would you like me to carry this out for you? And I want to smack them, you know? Or how heavy would you like us to make the bags? And Why do you want to smack them? Because it's, it's a generalization. It, it doesn't necessarily have to do with me. They're reading gray hair and wrinkled skin or something. I don't know what they're reading, but mostly I go through the grocery store and I'm helping people reach down stuff. 
<laughs> it's just, I don't have an image of myself, and probably no one does. You probably don't have an image of yourself at your chronological age. Um, I was just in Italy for two weeks, just got back uh, Monday, and had a 24-year-old niece with me, and she was pooped at the end of the day, and I'm still... <laughs> And I kept up. We walked 15,000 steps every day. So how do you want people to talk to you or to treat you? As if I were just an ordinary, uh, maybe 45-year-old or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's a thing that happens, and I have friends that uh, just, they're, they're the nicest people in the world, but once they know my age, they're, they're like, well, watch the step, Cheryl. And they're always trying to do something or protect me from something. And it's, it's so easy to buy into that in what's called learned helplessness. And that's part of that business of the, the bagger at the grocery store. I don't want people to do that stuff for me. I'd rather struggle with it and figure out how to do it because who knows what I might have to do to, to maintain myself if something happens to my spouse or whatever happens. I need to, to stay on top of stuff. I need to know what's going on in the world. I read the AMA news every day and send stuff to my students. and. You just need to be on top of stuff, otherwise you're so vulnerable to all sorts of stuff. Um, most of it being your own giving up on yourself or giving up on your circumstance. And so by buying into it, it, it's sort of like giving up a little bit. Yes, it does. And it's incumbent on you to be able to say to that person, with as much respect as you want, <laughs> I know I can do it, but thank you for asking. <laughs> Interesting. Do you think that the way we act influences how people treat us? Oh, absolutely. But I think there are circumstances like the bagger at the grocery store. They've also been probably instructed to be thoughtful and mindful about this kind of stuff. So they're doing what they've been taught to do. Um, it's just how that all plays out. When you were younger, did you ever imagine what it might be like to be older? No. Was there anybody when you were growing up or anywhere along the way who had an influence on you, kind of helped shape who you are today? I was raised um, by a single mom, and, and my brother was uh, four years older than I, and she worked nights, and so I was, grew up being very independent. And I, I worked full time from the age of 12. Start out, um, what you, everybody does at 10 or whatever you do, uh, delivering papers. 
I tried out being a waitress at 12 because I was tall, just half a day, and everybody was ready to throw me out, including me. That takes a sort of something that I just don't have, I'll tell you. And uh, I started um, setting pins. We lived next door to the bowling alley, and so back in those days, you sat down in a little pit and you picked up those pins and put them in the right thing. And I was really good at it, and the men's league always asked for me. So I did that until I started working at the drugstore, and I worked at the drugstore all through my high school years. And then I had three jobs in college. Uh, I was doing a pre-med in three years, and I did had three jobs, and on the swim team. So I've always been kind of a busy person. Were there lots of events have occurred in your lifetime? Are there any particularly meaningful events that shaped how you ended up living out your life? My mother remarried when I was 13, and this little man had a fourth grade education. He was a superintendent of the power plant at, in our little town. Everybody knew him, everybody loved him, and he was just, he, he and I built an addition onto our house and, you know, everything from cutting the trees and planing the wood, you know, the whole thing. And he was so gentle and just, he, he had boundaries, but the way that he put them up is like he could see them and see through them and figure out, you know, he was just, he, he was just a, an amazing, amazing fellow. You've told me that you're an introvert. But you have a social life. You have a circle of, of people. So what do you appreciate most about your social life? I guess the, the diversity of the, of the people, their personalities, and how they go about life, how they maneuver through life. Very interesting. Some are angry, some are just busy, loving people, and then other people, I mean, they're just sort of, it's just really fascinating. The loneliness question, do you ever feel lonely? If I ever felt lonely. Now that you're older? No, 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 none. What makes it a good day for you? I've never had a bad day in a long time, so I, <laughs> I really haven't. You always have something going on yeah. in one way or another, yeah. even if it's to sit here and read a good book yeah. or out and do ride your tractor or yep. go help somebody. Yep. Is there anything that you appreciate about being older? Oh, I sure do. I'm, <laughs> I'm much more likely to say something than I than just think it, and I have a weird sense of humor, and and I'll just act on that. Uh, how about anything that you worry about or fear about the uh, upcoming years? No, I just went through this. I just had cancer surgery, and the people around me were all falling apart. It was like, 
there's nothing you can do by falling apart. We just have to go through this stage and that stage, and then we'll then they'll do this, and then we'll find out what that was, and then you know it is. Do you mind my asking where you are in this in the trajectory here? You've had surgery. Do you have to? Have I had surgery in um, April, um, middle April. Do you have to have radiation therapy or chemo? Not at this stage. Glad to hear that. Hope it stays that way. <laughs> I do too. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for people of any age? Know yourself and be yourself. So being true to who you are and not sacrifice your true self to what somebody else might want you to do, say, think, be, whatever. Right. I try to be myself with the medical students or anybody I'm around on the boards or whatever. And probably most often it makes no sense to anybody. But every once in a while I'll get a, I got an email not just a week before I left from one of the students and, and she's a resident now. And she said, I just wanted to tell you you're one of my men you're one of my mentors and one of my role models for you know just comes I don't think one aspires to be that. I think one just is themselves and that's the other person makes some connection or learns something or even if it's I don't ever want to be like Cheryl Weaver. <laughs> That's still a learning, an important one. Keep on learning, no matter what your age. I hope that you're learning something from listening to these conversations about aging. I'm Diane Atwood, and I've been talking with Cheryl Weaver, who is 82 and constantly learning new things. Conversations About Aging is a Catching Health podcast series. To listen to other conversations about aging and to read my blog posts on health and wellness, visit catchinghealth.com. This podcast was made possible by our sponsors, Avita of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. You'll find out more about them at northbridgecos.com. Many thanks to Smith Atwood Video Services for editing the podcast. See what else they have to offer at smithatwood.com. And a thank you to Tom Muser for his support. He's director of the Center for Excellence in Aging and Health at the University of New England.